Book of Jacob, the Brother of Nephi, Chapter 1 The words of his preaching unto his brethren, He confoundeth a man who seeketh to overthrow the doctrine of Christ. A few words concerning the history of the people of Nephi. For behold, it came to pass that fifty and five years had passed away from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. Wherefore Nephi gave me, Jacob, a commandment concerning these small plates, upon which these things are engraven. And he gave me, Jacob, a commandment that I should write upon these plates a few of the things which I considered to be most precious, that I should not touch, save it were lightly, concerning the history of this people, which are called the people of Nephi. For he said that the history of his people should be engraven upon his other plates, and that I should preserve these plates, and hand them down unto my seed from generation to generation. And if there were preaching which was sacred, or revelation which was great, or prophesying, that I should engraven the heads of them upon these plates, and touch upon them as much as it were possible for Christ's sake, and for the sake of our people." For because of faith and great anxiety, it truly had been made manifest unto us concerning our people what things should happen unto them. And we also had many revelations, and the spirit of much prophecy, wherefore we knew of Christ and his kingdom which should come. Wherefore we labored diligently among our people, that we might persuade them to come unto Christ, and partake of the goodness of God, that they might enter into his rest, lest by any means he should swear in his wrath they should not enter in, as in the provocation in the days of temptation, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Wherefore we would to God that we could persuade all men not to rebel against God, to provoke him to anger but that all men would believe in Christ and view his death and suffer his cross and bear the shame of the world. Wherefore I, Jacob, take it upon me to fulfill the commandment of my brother Nephi. Now Nephi began to be old, and he saw that he must soon die. Wherefore he anointed a man to be a king and a ruler over his people now, according to the reigns of the kings. The people, having loved Nephi exceedingly, he having been a great protector for them, having wielded the sword of Laban in their defense, and having labored in all his days for their welfare, wherefore the people were desirous to retain in remembrance his name. And whoso should reign in his stead were called by the people, second Nephi, third Nephi, etc., according to the reigns of the kings, and thus they were called by the people, let them be of whatever name they would. And it came to pass that Nephi died. Now the people, which were not Lamanites, were Nephites. Nevertheless, they were called Nephites, Jacobites, Josephites, Zoramites, Lamanites, Lemuelites, and Ishmaelites. But I, Jacob, shall not hereafter distinguish them by these names, but I shall call them Lamanites, they that seek to destroy the people of Nephi, and they which are friendly to Nephi, I shall call Nephites, or the people of Nephi, according to the reigns of the kings. And now it came to pass that the people of Nephi, under the reign of the second king, began to grow hard in their hearts, and indulge themselves somewhat in wicked practices, such as like unto David of old, desiring many wives and concubines, and also Solomon his son. Yea, and they also began to search much gold and silver, and began to be lifted up somewhat in pride." 
Wherefore I, Jacob, gave unto them these words as I taught them in the temple, having firstly obtained mine errand from the Lord. For I, Jacob, and my brother Joseph, have been consecrated priests and teachers of this people by the hand of Nephi. And we did magnify our office unto the Lord, taking upon us the responsibility, answering the sins of the people upon our own heads, if we did not teach them the word of God with all diligence. Wherefore, by laboring with our mites, their blood might not come upon our garments. Otherwise their blood would come upon our garments, and we would not be found spotless at the last day. Chapter 2 the words which Jacob the brother of Nephi spake unto the people of Nephi after the death of Nephi. Now, my beloved brethren, I, Jacob, according to the responsibility which I am under to God, to magnify mine office with soberness, and that I might rid my garments of your sins, I come up into the temple this day, that I might declare unto you the word of God. And ye yourselves know that I have hitherto been diligent in the office of my calling, but I this day am weighed down with much more desire and anxiety for the welfare of your souls than I have hitherto been. For behold, as yet ye have been obedient unto the word of the Lord, which I have given unto you. But behold, hearken ye unto me, and know that by the help of the all-powerful Creator of heaven and earth I can tell you concerning your thoughts how that ye are beginning to labor in sin, which sin appeareth very abominable unto me, yea, and abominable unto God. Yea, it grieveth my soul, and causeth me to shrink with shame before the presence of my Maker, that I must testify unto you concerning the wickedness of your hearts. And also it grieveth me that I must use so much boldness of speech concerning you before your wives and your children, many of whose feelings are exceeding tender and chaste and delicate before God, which thing is pleasing unto God. And it supposeth me that they have come up hither to hear the pleasing word of God, yea, the word which healeth the wounded soul. Wherefore it burdeneth my soul that I should be constrained because of the strict commandment which I have received from God to admonish you, according to your crimes, to enlarge the wounds of those which are already wounded, instead of consoling and healing their wounds. And those which have not been wounded, instead of feasting upon the pleasing word of God, have daggers placed to pierce their souls and wound their delicate minds. But notwithstanding the greatness of the task, I must do according to the strict commands of God, and tell you concerning your wickedness and abominations in the presence of the pure in heart and the broken heart and under the glance of the piercing eye of the Almighty God. Wherefore I must tell you the truth according to the plainness of the word of God. For behold, as I inquired of the Lord, thus came the word unto me, saying, Jacob, Get thou up into the temple on the morrow, and declare the word which I shall give thee unto this people. And now behold, my brethren, this is the word which I declare unto you, that many of you have begun to search for gold, and for silver, and all manner of precious ores, in the which this land which is a land of promise unto you and to your seed doth abound most plentifully. And the hand of providence hath smiled upon you most pleasingly, that you have obtained many riches. 
And because that some of you have obtained more abundantly than that of your brethren, ye are lifted up in the pride of your hearts, and wear stiff necks and high heads because of the costliness of your apparel, and persecute your brethren, because that ye suppose that ye are better than they. And now, my brethren, do ye suppose that God justifieth you in this thing? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. But he condemneth you, and if ye persist in these things, his judgments must speedily come unto you. O oh, that he would shew you, that he can pierce you, and with one glance of his eye he can smite you to the dust. O oh, that he would rid you from this iniquity and abomination. And O oh, that ye would listen unto the word of his commands, and let not this pride of your hearts destroy your souls. Think of your brethren like unto yourselves, and be familiar with all, and free with your substance, that they may be rich like unto you. But before ye seek for riches, seek ye for the kingdom of God. And after that ye have obtained a hope in Christ, ye shall obtain riches if ye seek them, and ye will seek them for the intent to do good, to clothe the naked, and to feed the hungry, and to liberate the captive, and administer relief to the sick and the afflicted. And now, my brethren, I have spoken unto you concerning pride, and those of you which have afflicted your neighbor and persecuted him, because that ye were proud in your hearts of the things which God hath given you, what say ye of it? Do ye not suppose that such things are abominable unto him who created all flesh? And the one being is as precious in his sight as the other. And all flesh is of the dust, and for the selfsame end hath he created them, that they should keep his commandments and glorify him forever. And now I make an end of speaking unto you concerning this pride. And were it not that I must speak unto you concerning a grosser crime, my heart would rejoice exceedingly because of you. But the word of God burthens me because of your grosser crimes." For behold, thus saith the Lord, this people begin to wax in iniquity. They understand not the scriptures, for they seek to excuse themselves in committing whoredoms because of the things which were written concerning David and Solomon his son. Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord, I have led this people forth out of the land of Jerusalem by the power of mine arm, that I might raise up unto me a righteous branch from the fruit of the loins of Joseph. Wherefore, I, the Lord God, will not suffer that this people shall do like unto them of old. Wherefore, my brethren, hear me, and hearken to the word of the Lord, for there shall not any man among you have, save it be, one wife, and concubines he shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delighteth in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Wherefore this people shall keep my commandments, saith the Lord of hosts, or cursed be the land for their sakes. For if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up seed unto me, I will command my people, otherwise they shall hearken unto these things. For behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mournings of the daughters of my people in the land of Jerusalem, yea, and in all the lands of my people, because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands." And I will not suffer, saith the Lord of hosts, that the cries of the fair daughters of this people, which I have led out of the land of Jerusalem, shall come up unto me against the men of my people, saith the Lord of hosts. For they shall not lead away captive the daughters of my people, 
because of their tenderness. Save I shall visit them with a sore curse, even unto destruction. For they shall not commit whoredoms like unto they of old, saith the Lord of hosts. And now behold, my brethren, ye know that these commandments were given to our father Lehi, wherefore ye have known them before, and ye have come unto great condemnation, for ye have done these things which ye ought not to have done. Behold, ye have done greater iniquity than the Lamanites our brethren. Ye have broken the hearts of your tender wives and lost the confidence of your children because of your bad examples before them and the sobbings of their hearts ascend up to God against you. And because of the strictness of the word of God which cometh down against you, many hearts died, pierced with deep wounds. But behold, I, Jacob, would speak unto you that are pure in heart. Look unto God with firmness of mind, and pray unto Him with exceeding faith, and He will console you in your afflictions, and He will plead your cause, and send down justice upon those who seek your destruction. O all ye that are pure in heart, lift up your heads and receive the pleasing word of God, and feast upon His love, for ye may, if your minds are firm forever. But woe, woe unto you that are not pure in heart, that are filthy this day before God. For except ye shall repent, the land is cursed for your sakes. And the Lamanites which are not filthy like unto you, nevertheless they are cursed with a sore cursing, shall scourge you even unto destruction. And the time speedily cometh, that except ye repent, they shall possess the land of your inheritance, and the Lord God will lead away the righteous out from among you. Behold, the Lamanites, your brethren, whom ye hate, because of their filthiness and the cursings which hath come upon their skins, are more righteous than you. For they have not forgotten the commandments of the Lord, which was given unto our father, that they should have, save it were, one wife, and concubines they should have none, and there should not be whoredoms committed among them. And now this commandment they observe to keep. Wherefore, because of this observance and keeping this commandment, the Lord God will not destroy them, but will be merciful unto them. And one day they shall become a blessed people. Behold, their husbands love their wives, and their wives love their husbands, and their husbands and their wives love their children. And their unbelief and their hatred towards you is because of the iniquity of their fathers, Wherefore, how much better are you than they in the sight of your great Creator? O my brethren, I fear that unless ye shall repent of your sins, that their skins will be whiter than yours when ye shall be brought with them before the throne of God. Wherefore, a commandment I give unto you, which is the word of God, that ye revile no more against them because of the darkness of their skins, neither shall ye revile against them because of their filthiness." But ye shall remember your own filthiness, and remember that their filthiness came because of their fathers. Wherefore ye shall remember your children, how that ye have grieved their hearts because of the example that ye have set before them. And also remember that ye may, because of your filthiness, bring your children unto destruction, and their sins be heaped upon your heads at the last day. 
O my brethren, hearken unto my word. Arouse the faculties of your soul. Shake yourselves that ye may awake from the slumber of death and loose yourselves from the pains of hell that ye may not become angels to the devil to be cast into that lake of fire and brimstone which is the second death. And now I, Jacob, spake many more things unto the people of Nephi, warning them against fornication and lasciviousness and every kind of sin, telling them the awful consequences of them. And a hundredth part of the proceedings of this people, which now begin to be numerous, cannot be written upon these plates. But many of their proceedings are written upon the larger plates, and their wars and their contentions and the reigns of their kings. These plates are called the plates of Jacob, and they were made by the hand of Nephi, and I make an end of speaking these words. Pressure all around me saying, go ahead, give in. Save your soul for another day. Struggling between the enemy and the one only true friend. Finding it hard not to slip away But then I hear you softly calling out my name Come unto me all ye That labor and are heavy laden And Jacob. It used to be the book of Jacob, and it's not anymore. The 1990 edition is a little bit different, and it also has page numbers in the wrong place. I will probably always look in the wrong place for a page number because it's just ingrained in me where the page numbers are in my old Book of Mormon. But let's begin. I am really excited about the book of Jacob. I'm going to miss Nephi and his story, but his little brother is picking up the mantle, if you will, and carrying it on, picking up the torch. And I love his sentiment about uh, the people who, who they all loved Nephi so much in verse 10, loved him exceedingly. And they, their new Kings were named after Nephi, no matter what their name was right. And 10 and 11. And, uh, this says, the next king, he was named after Nephi. 
Nephi the second, Nephi the third. It's like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> they all love Nephi that much. And they wanted to honor and remember him. But my first highlighted verse, whenever you see a verse, I always like to underline it if it has a time stamp. And the first time stamp of the book of Jacob is in verse one. Fifty and five years had passed away from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. And so uh, you can't, if, if, if there's like three on a page, yeah, you don't need to do that. But if you ever, I see a timestamp somewhere, I always think it's important. In verse two, we get uh, his Jacob's commandment from Nephi, write upon these plates a few of the things which I considered to be most precious. And also in verse four, and if there were preaching, which was sacred or revelation, which was great or prophesying that I should engrave the head engraven the heads of them upon these plates and touch upon them as much as it were possible for Christ's sake and for the sake of our people. And verse six, and we also had many revelations and the spirit of much prophecy, wherefore we knew of Christ and his kingdom, which should come. I, I include those because they're, they're further proof that the large plates had all the history and the smaller plates is what we're reading now. The Book of Mormon had the parts and the history of them, which was in like verse four, preaching, which was sacred revelation, which was great prophesying. And so those three categories alone are, Nephi said, if it was uh, a preaching, which was sacred. So what are we calling these, these scriptures? As you read them, as you study the book of Mormon, this is sacred preaching. These are revelations, which are great. These are prophesying. So these men compiled this for our benefit and, and, and because God, you know, told them it would be for good. So it's important to note that. I like that verse. And also another one in verse six, uh, the, the reason why it's highlighted is to show again that they knew of Christ and it's much different from what was in Jerusalem. It's a short chapter, but there's a few historical things of note, right? We get the beginning of the Nephites and Lamanite separation or, or uh, conf confirming that there's all kinds of Josephites and Zoramites and Lamanites and Lemuelites, but we're just going to call them Nephites and Lamanites from, from here on out. So Jacob sets this standard and it carries on throughout the Book of Mormon that they're just Lamanites and they're Nephites. And let's just, for the sake of making this clear for the rest of the narrative of the Book of Mormon, that's what how that's how we're going to do it. Now, when you get to uh, specifics and, and particular stories, yeah, those guys were Zoramites. Yes, these guys were Josephites or Ishmaelites. So, you know, they will bring that up. Uh, but for the most part, when it's generic, it's just Nephites and Lamanites. And this is uh, the beginning of that and why. Well, I don't know why, but this is that Jacob is the guy that decided to do it. Verse 15. Wicked practices such as like unto David of old, desiring many wives and concubines, and also Solomon his son. The Book of Mormon is the best um, witness against Mormonism's belief in, do, in plural marriages, right? They're named Mormons. It's their namesake. They published the book and put it all over the world, and their own name is on it from their church. They're the Mormons. And the best book to put down their teachings and beliefs is the Book of Mormon. There is nowhere in the Book of Mormon where it says plural wives and, and marriages is okay. What in the world is going on, right? This, how can, but what a great tool of Satan. I'm going to take this ridiculous religion. I'm going to put this name that they have for this uh, religion, and I'm going to put it with 
the namesake of the Book of Mormon, and now nobody wants to read it because of their bad example, their their uh, uh, weird practices, which were rejected by Joseph Smith at the end of his life. He he had never been a part of that duality and plural marriages and 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 many other things that were instituted that was from Brigham Young and others. And it's just a shame that the Book of Mormon is associated with Mormons and the and the message of the Book of Mormon never. It is it is so clear that you will not have multiple wives. And that is one of the main messages. There are two big points Jacob preaches about in chapters one and two, and that's one of them. The other one is in verse 16, that they were beginning to have pride and, and much gold and riches. Verse 18 is a cross-reference back to pages 97 and 98 about their being ordained into the ministry. We've already covered that, but it's uh, the idea there is that they were priests, but were they Levites? Were they, what was their office? You know, there's something, um, a ministry and a type of ministry that was like Melchizedek of old, not necessarily like the law of Moses. So, they had the law of Moses, but their priesthood was not a Levitical priesthood. It was, it was something else. And it was after the order and similitude of Melchizedek, which it says Melchizedek was a type of Christ to come. So there was a priesthood of some kind that was different from the Levitical priesthood that they had. And Jacob and Joseph were uh, ordained into it and consecrated by Nephi. And the 19 and 20, there's a verse in 19 there's a, there's a word in 19 that is highlighted green and the rest of it is underlined. So there's a distinction between this word and the rest of 19 and 20. And the same word is highlighted in chapter two, verse two. And the word is responsibility. And there's the, the message of that. I hope to, to present here. I have a, a counterpart who in uh, podcasting in Arizona, and he has a different, a different theme and message he's, he's using in his podcast. But I think this is section here, uh, when I get done with this, I think he would pump his fist and say, absolutely. This is, this is what I'm talking about. And th this is going to be a good example. And I'm going to, uh, emulate his, his, uh, moxie, his mojo, his, uh, his uh, testosterone, if you will, and, uh, and I don't mean it mockingly, but it's not necessarily my style, but that style fits for the message I'm going to bring out. And, and I am absolutely behind him 100% in this uh, message that I'm about to present. And I think he would be behind us too, but uh, I'm, I'm going to read 19 and 20. And we did magnify our office unto the Lord, taking upon us the responsibility, answering the sins of the people upon our own heads. If we did not teach them the word of God with all diligence, wherefore by laboring with our mites, their blood might not come upon our garments. Otherwise their blood would come upon our garments and we would not be found spotless at the last day. In your margin of your Book of Mormon, uh, make a reference for 19 and 20, make a reference to Ezekiel chapter uh, 3. I'm going to turn there, Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, and I'm going to read that now. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, 
but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man, that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. There is a responsibility given to the ministry. Sometimes they have to do a, a job that's tough, but it is required of them. And any minister is aware of these verses. Any minister in the Church of Christ is aware of these verses. I'm, I'm certain of it. And there's another chapter 34 in Ezekiel 1 through 10 that confirms this. It's, it's a theme in the Book of Mormon and the Bible that the ministry have a job to do. They are watchmen. And so part of that is uh, upon the ministers and they have a responsibility. But I'm going to include the men and the, the watchmen of the family, right? They are involved in this too. And I'm going to prove this point better in chapter two. So that was the end of chapter one. Let's continue with chapter two. And again, the first thing I have is chapter two, verse two. Uh, the word responsibility is highlighted, but I also have, I come up into the temple this day. So God told him tomorrow you're going to go up in the temple. The same thing is in uh, 17. And now he's up in the temple and he's preaching the word that God gave him, just like it explains in Ezekiel, right? So he's up here and if you, and there's a, uh, there's a page or a comment in the Book of Mormon Companion and it says something, something along the lines that the archaeology of the Book of Mormon, of the, of, of Mexico the, the buildings and the layout and the courtyards of these cities that they've excavated and they've discovered in the uh, jungles, it's just like this. You can describe, as it's described like this, that I came up onto the, into the temple. If he climbed up onto the temple and I was preaching to them, everyone in the courtyard could hear. And it was designed that way. The temple was up high and now everyone down below can hear. And that's uh, how it fits. It fits with archaeology of the Book of Mormon. Of, of Mexico. So uh, I probably butchered that thought, but I, you may have figured out what I'm trying to say there. Um, but let's just keep moving on. Verses seven and eight. And also it grieveth me that I must use so much boldness of speech concerning you before your wives and your children, many of whose feelings are exceeding tender and chaste and delicate before God, which thing is pleasing unto God. And it supposeth me that they have come up hither to hear the pleasing word of God, yea, the word which healeth the wounded soul. So what's condemning about this, what's, what bothers me is I have a responsibility as a husband. And if I am lacking, if I cause, I can cause grief and pain for those tender feelings of my wife and my kids. They're delicate they're chaste, they're, they're pure. And, and so I can be, if I am ugly, if I take wicked, the wickedness of my heart and it spills over onto them, 
I am responsible. And I think it fits with the same theme. And it goes beyond that even. So here he is. Um, um, let's read verse 10. And it continues the thought. And those which have not been wounded, instead of feasting upon the pleasing word of God, they have daggers, uh, have daggers placed to pierce their souls and wound their delicate minds. What is he saying here? So these are the verses I've highlighted. And the point that I'm going to make is that the watchmen have a responsibility because of the wickedness of the people of the church. They have to come and confront this ugly, wicked thing that is going on. And the pure in heart suffer for it. The sins of the people of the church affect everybody. And now, you know, there's times when I wish it wasn't like this, but there's times when my children are exposed to things I would rather them not be exposed to. But the minister has a responsibility to nip it in the bud, to 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 declare it absolutely wrong, right? And, and some some of them have a style that I would cover my ears with of my children, and I wish we didn't see. But sometimes they feel compelled to say it that way or to present it in an ugly way, and my job as a husband is to to shepherd and to keep them pure, right, and tender, and and so. If my sins or the sins of others in the church have this effect on the congregation, not if, they do. And that's what the story is here. So we have a responsibility as ministry, but the church has a responsibility to its tender, to, to, to endure and, and uh, to keep that tenderness, to keep the feasting upon the pleasing word of God and not have to be struck down by the, the wrath of his anger when our behavior is, is not in line. I don't know. It just, it's, where does he say in verse nine, it burdeneth my soul that I should be constrained because of the strict commandment, which I have received from God to admonish you according to your crimes to enlarge the wounds of those which are already wounded because you can't feel it. I have to burn it into you. And now that abrasive approach from God is what is its effect on the rest of the people there? You know, you can bring that with you. You can bring that with you in, in your, your life and your baggage that you're taking with you to church. And this is, this is totally me talking now. I think we have to be careful what we, what we do and how we act and what we bring into church with us because it affects those around us. And it's kind of like a least common denominator thing. And the, the spirit can only do so much until it is constrained, it is obligated to to strike down what evil is there, what what is sinful nature is there, and the the good things and the pure things which some of us come with such hope in our hearts for, some of that can be um, quenched. I don't know. Can be defeated by our own human nature. So. If you bring it with you, man, you got to let it go when you get there. You got to cleanse your heart. You got to, you got to, oh man, it, you, there's a responsibility. There's a responsibility, isn't there? And so that, that aspect of coming to church, I think is, is uh, something that, that maybe gets overlooked, but uh, humility is the, is the message, right? I'm going to keep moving. I'm probably not explaining that well enough, but let's just keep going. Verse 22, 
I like this verse, 22 through 24. Think of your brethren like unto yourselves, and be familiar with all, and free with your substance, that they may be rich like unto you. But before ye seek for riches, seek ye for the kingdom of God. And after ye have obtained a hope in Christ, ye shall obtain riches, if ye seek them, and ye will seek them for the intent to do good, to clothe the naked, and to feed the hungry, and to liberate the captive, and administer relief to the sick and the afflicted. Dear bumper sticker verse, gotta be number 23, but before ye seek for riches, seek ye for the kingdom of God. This was the the message of the pride, right, that was going on, that they were seeking riches, they were becoming... Um, becoming pride because of their gold and, and how they'd been blessed more than the others and, and things like that. And verse 27, and the one being is as precious in his sight as the other. That is another eh, bumper sticker ish. Uh, uh, I like the 23 better, <laughs> but it shows God's nature. It shows that all are equal in his eyes, that we have to have humility. We have to prefer our brother uh, verse 30, and were it not that I must speak unto you concerning a grosser crime, my heart would rejoice exceedingly because of you. But the word of God burthens me because of your grosser crimes. Behold, David and Solomon truly had many, I'm jumping to 33, truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. So we're getting back into the, the meat of this argument that I had earlier. Verses 35 through 37 I'm going to just read part of 36. For there shall not any man among you have save it be one wife and concubines. He shall have none. And here's the part that really is the point of this. For I, the Lord God delighteth in the chastity of women. I'm going to read a definition out of my wife's book of Mormon. I don't know what her source is, but my source is my wife. So, so it's good enough for me. And she wrote it down in her book of Mormon underneath verse 36 chastity it is purity in conduct and intention it is personal integrity and how did he describe it earlier they they um uh, verse seven your wives and your children many of the whose feelings are exceeding tender and chaste and delicate before god which thing is pleasing unto god now when you uh, attack that and destroy that the consequences are going to be, let's see, they're in verse 46. Ye have broken the hearts of your tender wives and lost the confidence of your children because of your bad examples before them. And the sobbings of their hearts ascend up to God against you. Uh, verse 47, and because of the strictness of the word of God, which cometh down against you, many hearts died, pierced with deep wounds. I'm so uh, struck by these words and I'm so offended at, uh, of, of what I am and, and the, the thoughts that can enter my heart. So these are words and I'm going to, that, that are powerful to me. And it shows that the responsibility of a man and his family, I'm going to start, I haven't read these other verses, uh, verses. I want to jump backwards to verse 40. Uh, for behold, I, the Lord, have seen the sorrow and heard the mourning of the daughters of my people in the land of Jerusalem, yea, and in all the lands of my people, because of the wickedness and abominations of their husbands. And I will not suffer, saith the Lord of hosts, that the cries of the fair daughters of this people, which I have led out of the land of Jerusalem, shall come up unto me against the men of my people, saith the Lord of hosts. For they shall not lead away captive the daughters of my people, because of their tenderness, save I shall visit them with a sore curse, even unto destruction. Every step along the way, from the time that you first had eyes on a billboard, 
right? It's it's everywhere, and it is it is pleasing to to look at. And you left your eyes there, and you left, uh, and that put a thought in your head. And the the thing that I just I hate myself for is I I'm at a, I'll be at a church service, and something will be, I'll be into the service, and a thought will creep into my head, and I just I what happened? Why is that there? That is the last thing I want to be thinking about right now. And it's just, I, I cannot, I cannot understand how something as ugly as a man's mind and heart can ever be holy. And so this, this condemnation I have for myself and for the thoughts that pop up in my head and it begins because I left my eyes too long somewhere where it shouldn't have been. And I didn't stop it soon enough. And I feel like I, like I could have stopped it. Maybe, maybe it's just the nature of man, right? We're, and, but the, I don't want to excuse myself, but the nature of man is that way. And we have to fight it off. We have to, we have to stop ourselves from that. And when that thought creeps in and pops in from nowhere, then where did that come from? Because wait, I did, I did look at that too long. I did, I did see that and I didn't bounce my eyes off of it. I did. And so I am guilty of that. That's why it gets me. And so you have to be in control of yourself and in control of what you see. And it's not, it's not always easy. This world has got a lot of things out there that are temptations, right? I remember uh, hearing, Someone say, man, if there's ice cream in the house, I'm going to eat it. Well, you know, that's why you buy ice cream. It tastes good. And, and in my mind, it's like, yes, let's let's have ice cream. Let's buy ice cream. But this man said in his sermon, it's like, you don't understand. I have no, I have no defense for it. I cannot stop myself from eating ice cream if it is in my house. So I don't buy it. But because I guess he relates it to, and it's hard for me to understand how sinful ice cream can be. But if it is something that you can't control yourself of, that means you're incontinent. That means you have no control over yourself. That is what the world is going to be like in the last days. And the rest of the world all around us, these billboards and these tactics of selling things, using things that are, that are pleasing to a man's eyes, it's everywhere. And the world dives into it. It is an effective means and it is all over the place and the world is controlled so much by these these um effective uh campaigns because that's literally what they are is campaigns against you against your righteous soul to effectively control your carnal state and if you don't combat it you will lose you will lose that fight they there's just an onslaught of it and so it is a tough thing, and when, it's, when I said incontinent earlier, I was building to the point that that is the way the world is. They cannot control themselves. They cannot control, we have to fight that in these last days. We know that this is the perilous times are going to come, and this is the way men are going to be, and we cannot be like those men. We have to be different. So uh, Christian Tactician, if you're out there, this is my uh, pump your fist moment where you, you're, you're, I, I hope I get your endorsement on this thought and uh, for what it's worth. Uh, let's go to verse 53. And the time speedily cometh that except ye repent, they shall possess the land of your inheritance and the Lord God will lead away the righteous out from among you. And so what is the purpose of this 50, all these that I just read, it comes up to 53. You guys that are doing evil, I will not let this continue. I will strike you down. Your sins will come again. I will not allow this to happen to my chaste and my 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 uh, tender uh, women and children 
who, who came to church today with pure hearts and wanting to hear the healing word of God. And because of your sinful nature, they don't get that. Instead, they are being exposed to, to the things of this world that I have to warn them of because of your bad behavior. And so this is 53. It says, I will take them. You will be gone and I will take my righteous somewhere else. And that is, that is the truth of it. I will not let this happen. And so they have to change their ways. And we know that they did. For, uh, and let's go to verse 55. The Lamanites, as bad and as ugly as they were, you know, as as literal ugliness, right, from the cursing, but also their filthiness. I I don't know exactly how it is, but they were filthy and they were had a cursing upon them. They were they were had darkened skins and they were regarded as less than themselves, right? We're Nephites. They're the ugly, cursed Lamanites. They're filthy people. But then he says, for they have not forgotten the commandments of the Lord, which were given unto our fathers, that they should have, save it were one wife, and concubines they should have none, and there should not be whoredoms committed among them. The Lamanites are better than you. They didn't forget this rule. And he, let's go to 57. Behold, their husbands love their wives, and their wives love their husbands, and their husbands and their wives love their children. That is something that God endorses. That is something that God God loves. And so he wants a family unit to be that way. And the Lamanites got it right. And you guys are failing miserably. And and what a condemnation to the Nephites, right? You are not better than the, the Lamanites. And let's go to verse 62. Wherefore, this is this is powerful. This as a as a father and as a husband, this one is this is on me. This is on me. Absolutely. This is written up on my heart and Everybody, uh, you, this is just powerful. Wherefore, ye shall remember your children, how that ye have grieved their hearts because of the example that ye have set before them. And also remember that ye may, because of your filthiness, bring your children unto destruction and their sins be heaped upon your heads at the last day. So what was the, at the end of chapter one, beginning of chapter two, we heard responsibility. The, that was the verse that was underlined in both of them. And it was the responsibility of the ministry. But here, here in verse 62 and 63, this is not the responsibility of the ministry. And it is the same consequence for the men of the families. It is the same, same exact principle. Their sins be heaped upon your heads at the last day because you have to be watchmen of your families. So for what it's worth, uh, Christian tactician, this, this, uh, chapter one and two of Jacob. It's uh, taken a page out of your book. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to uh, give it my version of uh, your podcast today. And uh, we'll both fight the fight together.
shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is Easy and my birth.